This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Episode 39, and um, I'll just say that uh, I-, I was really proud of that Bobby Ryan interview that we did that came out the other day and uh, got a lot of great feedback on it. So I think that's, uh, if you haven't heard it, go check it out because, uh, you know, we always beg for athletes to be more honest and candid with their situations and their stories. And I think Bobby yeah. Ryan excelled in that department when he was on with us. So I greatly appreciate uh, everybody for their feedback, but not only that for Bobby Ryan, for coming on and telling us his story. Cause it doesn't sound like, uh, doesn't sound like he had an easy go there, uh, in his younger life, but not only that with the, uh, with the rehab and the alcoholism. So good on him. Yeah. A lot of it, a lot of uh, adversity that he had to navigate through right from a very, very young age. You know, I, I can't imagine what he had to go through when he was, you know, moved halfway across the country to, you know, get away from his father. He had to change his name um, and and to be able to become one of the best players of his age group all the way through, get drafted uh, extremely high in the OHL. He could have been the first overall pick in the OHL. That's how good he was when he was a kid at 16 years old. And the year later, um, he's drafted second overall into the National Hockey League. And everything from there, all the pressures and stresses and, and the uprooting of his life, came to the forefront and, uh, you know, the alcohol, uh, abuse and everything else, you know, for him to kind of come on our show and just be honest and candid was absolutely incredible and, and comfortable. I mean, I have seen other interviews with yeah. him where, you know, where, you know, all guys are guarded and girls are guarded, but I mean, I'm talking NHL hockey players, all hockey players are, are guarded, uh, when they tell their story, but it just seemed yeah. like with us, it seemed like he was just talking to us at a, at a dinner table and it was, well, it was awesome. I think, I think we knew I, I right away. I really felt like he was comfortable with us. You know, it was almost like he was in, you know, the locker room where he felt very comfortable talking to, you know, former hockey players. And we know that we know what he's going through, you know, yeah. like, listen, I mean, you're 10, what is it? 10 years, uh, sobriety, like yeah, you're, you're, you know, me, I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm a bourbon lover. So how about that one? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I just, it was, it was incredible that, you know, when we did the interview and we did it for, for an hour and he just did not want to stop talking. And at, at some point, uh, you know, we had to end that, that great, great conversation about his life, but it was what, what to me that put a smile on my face was when we turned off the interview, he did not want to get off the phone. Yeah. We he chatted. Did not a want to longer. get off the zoom. He want, he, he spoke to us for another 20 minutes and it was, he just loved talking. He so loved I was, talking. I was texting with him yesterday just about the interview and stuff and just how fantastic it was. Cause you know, like I, 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 of, of the, the of the, all the shows that we've done, we're on what 39. Now we have the pilot, which would be 40. And we have the Ruben Brown special back on the goal line stand a while back with the yep. Bills season. So 41 episodes, I think I've probably listened to four in, in its entirety, maybe five. 
and uh in like listen to bits and pieces of some to see how things sound but yeah but i mean like i listened to the sopal one i listened to the ryan leaf one i just listened to the bobby ryan one yesterday i mean i i forget that it's you and me talking that's how fucking good this show is but anyway <laughs> and he called me <laughs> sorry is that a is that a horn toot no 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 but listen so uh, th- i just was listening and i reminded me at the end when he was talking about how he tried to sell his wine cellar, his wine collection. Remember I asked him like what he bought and he said, Oh, I sold my house to a pretty famous person. And I was like, I didn't want to ask him on the show who the famous person, nor nor do I care to be honest. Well, I texted him yesterday. I said, I left that, that I just listened to the episode and it was awesome. You were fantastic. Right. And it's not about you and me. It's about the guests that come on and how great they are. But I mean, and I just said, but I left me with one question. You know, all the serious stuff that we talked about, I, you know, like from his childhood and his father and, you know, running from the law and be, his father being a fugitive from the law and his alcoholism and his first game back. He said, there's only one thing, one question I have of that whole uh, interview. And that was, who bought the house? <laughs> and I said, I, said, I, things, eh? I, I know, I said, I swear I won't say anything. And I, and then he told me, and I was, you know, it's a, it, it is a very famous person that bought his house. So it's pretty cool. Um, anyway, and that's not, I'm not trying to tease or have inside information. I just told him I, I, I wouldn't say anything. And, and, uh, you know, out of respect for the person that bought his house, of course, but, but still anyway. Um, so yeah, that was great. What wasn't great uh, as you know, we put a timeline on this, this episode here, but, uh, Sabres got smacked around last night, five to nothing. And, and, you know, we can go and nitpick on all the, all the, the terrible hockey that we had to watch. Um, but there's only one play that sticks out in my mind. And I, you know, what Aaron Dell did was absolute complete bullshit. It's bullshit. And you know, I'm, why, I'm, why, do you, I'm a, why do you say it's bullshit? Because it was out of frustration. I believe okay. it was out of frustration. And I mean, now granted, you know, like it was a dangerous play. It resulted in an injury to, was yep. it, uh, it's Batherson. What's his first yep. name? Drake. Drake. Drake Batherson. Really good player for Ottawa. I mean, and, he was going to the All-Star game. And now he will not be able to go to his first All-Star game. Devastating upper, for the young man. Upper ankle sprain, as you told me before, as I didn't know what the diagnosis was right before we hopped on here. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it was that, you know, and here's the thing. Okay. When you're, you know, I know what to tell you. He's going to be out for a number of games. There's a lot of people that are not happy with this. I'm going to tell you right now. And, and listen, I mean, I raised an eyebrow five or six games ago when they were in Nashville and he laid out, he went out to play a puck and he absolutely laid out a forward who is unsuspected and would never think that a, that a goaltender would come out and, you know, lay the biggest hit of the game. I think that that is code red. I mean, you know, that just shouldn't be happening. That should not be happening because I'm going to tell you right now, if goaltenders think that they can come out of their, out of their crease and start to lay these hits that are unsuspected because goaltenders don't do it. If you do that, you should be open game. That's that's my that's the the whole. You like know I'm what happened the Sabers is you go and put a, a team that's already <laughs> the furthest thing from tough, and you put them in a bad spot. 
Well, you know, it didn't escalate. It didn't escalate, thankfully, because it would have been bad news for that team, for the for the guys on the Sabres, a vast majority of them anyway. But you're just putting your team in a bad spot. You're opening a can of worms that didn't need to be answered, that didn't need to be opened. And here you here you are going and taking your own frustration out on on a on a on a player that that number one doesn't even have the puck. Number two, he, you're not supposed to hit him. Get back in your fucking net. Stay in the fucking net. Like you're struggling already. Okay, you're struggling already. Stay in the net. And I've been a Dell supporter because these these goalies have taken a ton of shit. And when he went into Nashville, I don't know why you're a Dell supporter? Because he had one great game when he when he came back. We can because I, I hope the best for guys. Debate. I hope, unlike you, I mean, I say that jokingly. Okay, I want to make sure I, I I say that. But I hope for the best for guys. I want guys to succeed. I want guys to to experience what I experienced in the league. You know, and and stay in the league for a little little while, yeah. and you know, like maybe get some success. That's what I. Oh, yeah. That's what I hope. For. Okay, listen, and I'll uh, and I'll uh, rebuttal that with, um, you know, I want you to preface some music in the background with my violin going back and forth with a, a soft little tune about, I, I just want everybody to experience the beautiful NHL bullshit. He's not an NHL defenseman. He's far from it. Goalie. And you know what? What's that? Goalie. He said defenseman. Uh, def- well, he's, <laughs> he's trying to be a defenseman right now. <laughs> okay. Guys, he's laid more hits than half RD. Um, <laughs> this is but true. Listen, I mean, he, he's a struggle. He's a struggle. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't care what people say, but I want to start winning some damn games. I want to start winning some games. And it's a struggle because he is not a player that you're going to win games with. Are there going to be miracle nights where everybody's just like, hey, let's give him first start because he won a game and stuff? Yeah, sure. But he's not an NHL uh, goaltender. That's, that's for damn sure. And now you have this situation that he's that he's you know hitting a player that's unsuspected and hurts this player and this young player is going to the all-star game for the first time. I think it's absolute bush league. Yeah. I think it's absolute bush league. What about the game itself? Casey Middlestad was back. Thought he looked slow. I'm gonna lay yeah, off because it was his I mean, first Casey, game back. Casey Middlestad is not a fluid skater, fluid skater uh, to begin with. But listen, I mean, I was very pleased to, to see Casey back. Okay. He is going to be a big part of this, uh, this, um, you know, youth process moving forward. He has had, uh, he's had a tough year. He's had a few different injuries and he's starting to, to come back. It's going to take him a number of games. Like, I mean, we're, we're halfway through the season and he's played how many games? Five, you know, it's going to take him some time to get up to speed, to get back to game shape. It's, I mean, he just needs to play games. I am really, really happy that he's back because he is an unbelievable talent, and uh, we'll see how we'll see how it goes, see how it plays out. But I'm happy to have him back. That's for damn sure. Well, so here's what we're looking. But at But I'll tell here. you this: I'm not happy with the lineup change. One guy had to come out. One guy had to come out. Middle stat goes in. Someone has to come out. For me, there's no way that John Hayden 
with what he did in the last game. And he's, he's, you know, he's a bigger, more physical body. You need players like that in your lineup. And Cody Eakin or whoever is still in the lineup. Yeah. Or, or Anders Bjork. Not, not even Eakin for me. Uh, Bjork. Asplund. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, Olafson. Take, o- take Olafson out. Like, Unless you're leaving him in there because you're trying to showcase him for a trade, and what it's the same sh- as is, it's the same as Cody Eakin. There's a reason why he's not being taken out because you know they will be moving these players, and if you're taking them out of the lineup, you're going to you know hurt your chances of getting a return for these players. So I understand what they're doing. At least I think I understand what they're doing. But if you're taking out John Hayden one of your only guys that is going to play a little with a little bit of jam and physicality and stick up for players. And he has a role to play. Now you're just at, you're taking, you know, a piece out that every team needs and every team has every team has, you know, I don't know. I mean, you got, uh, you got guys like, uh, you know, uh, Dylan cousins, who's, you know, he, you know, was getting the face wash from Sanford and then Watson comes in and there's the chirping and the whole shooting match. And I'm going to tell you right now, Dylan cousins needs backup. He needs a guy to step over the boards, the very next shift to go over to Ottawa and say, listen, let's go. Let's figure this out because you won't be touching that guy anymore. Yeah. Wow. Because I got his back and Dylan cousins knows that he is supported. Who's supporting him? Well, listen, what's he going to do? There's no, there's a there, game. There, there's no there's support. a game within the game. That's what you need to understand. There's and a what, game that's being played of hockey, but there's another game that's within the game that not a lot of fans sitting in the stands understand it. There's chirping going on. There's there it goes back and forth. You're identifying that there's things that are happening on the ice physically, and you have your guys that will go and address those things. It allows Casey Middlestats and Krebs and Tucks and Cousins and all of our skilled players just to go and play the game. And it allows those other role players, and yes, they're called role players, to go out and address what we need to have dressed, addressed so players like Dylan Cousins doesn't have to worry about, you know, getting the, 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 the eye rake from, uh, you know, Sanford and, you know, having the, the Watson come in and, and help him out. Where was the support for t- well, Dylan Cousins? Interesting road trip coming up. They have uh, Saturday. They're in Arizona. Okay. They better win that one. Um, they have the Colorado avalanche on Sunday. All right. And then they have the Vegas golden Knights on Tuesday, all on the road. Um, and then they're on their break. So it'll be very interesting to see how the team responds after that. And you know, what happens to Aaron Dell does, should he get suspended in your opinion? We'll ask JR this when he comes on. What's that? hundred percent, hundred percent, 100%. All right. We'll see what happens. We'll be right back with Jeremy Roenick. All right. Welcoming in from the car, Jeremy Roenick, JR in the you car. You never know where happening? I'm going to be. You never know where I'm going to be. By the way, this also tells you the dedication that I have to, to you two fine gentlemen and this show that I'm going to do it from wherever I can do it. So whether I'm sitting in a car, I almost did it at Starbucks. Um, for whatever reason I have to do it, I'm going to, I'm going to get it done. So here I am. 
And we did ask you what type of vehicle you're in because it looks very rich and very expensive. <laughs> that looks expensive, JR. Yeah. And what was the reply? You know I, I will tell you that it's it's really not. It's it is a Porsche. Don't get me wrong. It is a Porsche, but but Porsche has a lot of different like levels of price, right? So, um, I used to be a guy that loved his cars, that loved to drive around. We've talked about you know vehicles on the show a bunch of times. You know, I've had like the nine eleven twin turbo Porsche. I've had uh, you know the the big souped up Mercedes. Um, I've had trucks. I've had Peterbilts. I've had everything. Um, but I, I, what I just bought, which I which I wanted, was something small. I got the Porsche Macan, like the the, the lower end yeah. uh, Porsche. But they said this was the number one sports utility vehicle, number one rated in the in the country. So I think it was like it was like sixty five thousand dollars. That's I mean that's a lot for a car. It's a lot for a car. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's not like the hundred and twenty five thousand. So I just need to get from place to place, and I like to have a comfortable seat. I like to have a good radio, maybe my serious radio. But um, you know, I don't need the fancy. How is your mindset, um, Ben? How is your mindset, Ben? Now that you're away from the game, because I I think all of us would know that when you're in that environment and you're you're young, you're making an extreme amount of money, and you're you're with other guys that are making extremes amount of money and it just seems like the the bells and whistles whether you're buying rolex watches or whatever you know you you seem to be in la la land you seem to be in another world and then once you get out and Mm -hmm. once you get out you know i'm i'm driving a chevy tahoe and i love it yeah, I, I I'm driving a Chevy Tahoe and I absolutely love it. And I'm like, you know, I just cross country. I just went cross country in my in my 2500 Ram Fort Ram truck. Yeah, Dodge Ram, and I just hammered it, man. It was like one of the best drives of all time, going 80 miles an hour cross country through through Texas, through Mississippi. By the way, Louisiana, holy cow! I can understand. Oh. <laughs> why they have bad reputations. It was Louisiana. I'm sure there's a lot of good people there, but I was going over the bayou, man. Like I'm going over the highway that's on stilts with the water all underneath me. And I can see over to the side, the people living in houses on stilts, you know, on stilts in case the whole place floods. It was, it was an amazing, I've never driven cross country and it was an amazing experience for me to see different parts of the country and how they, and, and how they live. I'm yeah. telling you, you, you want to talk about being very fortunate and which goes back to what you were saying, you know, when you're playing in the national hockey league, you don't think about spending certain amount for a car or for going out for dinner because your yep. checks that are coming in every two weeks are pretty good. When those st- checks stop. And if you haven't been smart with your money, and by the way, I've been smart with my money and not smart with my money. Right. Yep. I've, I've, I've done a lot of bad business deals. I've lost a lot of ga- money gambling, so on and so forth, whatever the case may be. You know, I, hey, I, I work because I like to work, but I also work because I can't stop money to come. Where I get in the problem, Riv, is going out for those awesome dinners because food and wine, for me, I love it. You know, so it's, you know, you can't do $350 dinners and, 
$200 dinners, a couple $350 dinners. I don't know where and who you went to dinner with, but I'm going to tell you when I was in I Montreal, live in Cal- I live in California, man. You know, listen, it's easy to do that. Is, is the Cali is the California no, one? No, no, no. There, not, like, is a bottle wait. of Camus cheaper there than it is in say, no. you know, no, no. no. when More I'm time. talking, when I'm talking, I'm surprised that it's three fifty. That's what our bottles of wine costed. <laughs> Cost. Mm-hmm. Like I remember going yeah. out with with my with my guys in in Montreal. Yeah. They mm-hmm. were huge, huge winos. Okay, they loved wine. We would go out on every single road trip, and mm-hmm. not everybody wanted to go out and spend this outrageous amount of money on wine mm-hmm. and, and and food and stuff. I remember Steaks, our yeah. bills. Mm-hmm. We would go out with, you know, four or five guys. Our bills were two plus grand every time we went to dinner. Every time we went to dinner. Because our wine our wine bill was fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. And and remember when we used to when we used to go out and I don't know you know how it was with all your teams or with you, Petey, but there was always one or two guys that loved to come out with the boys because you know, someone was going to pick up the bill or something was going to happen. We were yeah, that's, the bill. that's it was P. Offensive. But then. <laughs> Fuck but then you. Again, that's but P. Then again, yeah, <laughs> right. I paid right. him for a full year, so, man. Oh, so you I loved him. I loved oh, him so the, much. He, oh, he hung around myself and Ryan Miller and, and Derek Roy, and it never paid for a dinner, but we loved hey, having they, him. Hey, you know what? Yeah, they they, yeah, they appreciated the, the tough guy, man. That's for yeah, sure. This is the deal. But this, this is the deal. The, when we would go out for dinners and we'd have amazing <laughs> dinner, the bill would be $2,500, $1,500. And then instead of everybody throwing in money, we're like, Let's play the credit card game. Oh, my uh, man. Let, let's play birds in the bush, right? And all of a sudden, those cheap fucks are going like this. What? No, I don't want to play that game. I'll just, here's, here's just my 250. I'm out. Like, no, hey, everybody's in. I always and sweat. I always brought up. I always brought up the credit card game. I was I was a league minimum guy. You know, I was the lowest paid guy in the team every year, which I didn't care. I was still making a lot of money. But um, I just remember we were at uh, Spark Steakhouse one time in New York. And there was probably seven or eight guys. Okay. Now we're ordering wine. We're ordering beer. We got one fucking guy that's ordering uh De Serono on the rocks. <laughs> like, like we got, we got it. They're ordering everything. And the bill was probably three grand, 3000 bucks. Okay. And I remember, I remember saying credit card game boys. And the guys are like, Guys are like, let's do it. Let's do the credit, credit card game. It was like three grand. And Tim Connolly or someone turns to me like, you know, the guy that always suggests it ends up losing. You know what I mean? It yeah. came down to me and one other guy. I think it might have been Tim. And uh, I ended up, I didn't lose. But oh my God. I mean, I have put my card in some credit card games that I I mean, I could afford them at the time, but I literally had no business being in no. the game. But I did. But you want to talk about peer pressure? I never wanted to be the guy that at the next day at morning no, skate. Yeah. Whatever, no, like, who? How was dinner last night, boys? Dinner was amazing. Who? Who? Who picked up the tab? Oh, we played credit card game. 
but Petey paid his own tab. Like, I don't want to be that fucking guy. Nobody wants to be that guy. That wasn't you. That was Pominville. (laughs) I do. Look, you know it too. Guys making five freaking million dollars a year, and he uh, he was throwing in eighty dollars for his bill. And I'm like, are you serious right now? Like. You know who the fa- my favorite of, of watching the credit card game of all time was was uh, was Brian Boucher. Brian Boucher. Every time we said the credit card bill, like, oh no, man, let, let's just come on, let's just just put in our own money, let's just get out of here. I don't want to come on. And then we'd like be like, no, Boucher, playing the credit card game, and he's like, God damn it, and he's taking his fall yeah. out. He's trying to pick up. He's trying to find the thickest, biggest, like most condensed credit card that he can find yeah. throws it in there and every time the waitress or the waiter pulled a card out he's like this and then it wasn't his he's like oh god i'm gonna pay for it oh god my oh, my god. oh my god so, so tell me if i've been into credit card games i had no business tell being me if this in, is man. true i so, love i love i love boosh by the way i just we would laugh i had stomach pains laughing so hard at boosh sweating over the credit card game at a dinner. Oh, I loved it. The world aligns for a reason. Every single time the player or the person that did not want to play the credit card game was always in the last two. So the 100%. sweat factor was extreme. <laughs> Who's JR, I'm going to tell you this. Whose yeah. card came out first every time? The, 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 the richest guy at the guy. table. The guy Always. who made, you know, $80 million already. And he, it's, it's like an outrageous amount of money. You're hoping in your head, you're like, just please give it to like JR. Please give it to JR. <laughs> Guys made yes. more money than God. <laughs> All of a sudden, boom, JR's God. card comes out first. And you're like, are you serious? Thomas Vanek, <laughs> you go with him. Thomas Vanek, his card came out. And he laughed because he didn't care at all. Yeah, he was making care, $7 yeah. million a year. It didn't matter. Money was not an issue. And he was just kind of like, and his card came out first every time. And they'd always yeah. say, oh, who doesn't love a free meal? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? These rich <laughs> fucking <laughs> kids. <laughs> a, a great, uh, oh. you know, I, I told Petey um, just uh, a, couple, a couple weeks ago, a former teammate of mine, who I have not talked to in probably 10 years reached out to me and it was Turner Stevenson. Really? We called him fathead because he had the biggest cranium I have ever seen in my entire life. I could put his helmet on and literally spin it around without even like it was, it was a bobblehead type head. It was unbelievable. But anyway, great guy. Oh my God. God, Turner Stevenson was a great guy. And we had, we literally, he reached out and he gave me a text and I replied to him. And then I'm like, let's talk. And we talked for two hours. It was amazing. Just talking about mm-hmm. old times. And I told him and we're, uh, we're doing this podcast and I'd love to have him on the show and the whole shooting match. And he is going to, it's going to be a, a tough one for me, but I think the fans, the fans are going to love hearing the stories love that this it. guy has. This guy is, I mean, we did a lot of crazy shit together, but Going back to this credit card game, he is the one guy that I remember. He lost, and I'm not kidding you, he lost over 10 in a row. No, so he, got a, he got a bad beat. 
Oh, it he was on a he was on a roll that was something like I can't even imagine how much money he spent because the boys in Montreal when we went out for dinners, wine yeah. was we didn't have yeah. the house wine. We were doing bottles that were you know stupid expensive, and we just mm-hmm. you know we were young and we all did very well, and we just enjoyed ourselves. But yeah, yep. Turner Stevenson would come to dinner, and he lost over 10 in a row and he's going to have to tell you this story pd but it is i i to this day it is like it got to a point where like the seven and the eight and these were like two three thousand dollar bills every time oh it's my not God. like you're going Jesus. to it's not like you're going yeah i mean we had we well, had, you're doing that jr imagine turner stevenson or a guy like me like turner stevenson wasn't making millions he might have made millions over the course yeah, of his career yeah, but in a yeah. season yeah. That's a month. That's a month's salary. Yeah, it NHL. was it was extreme, and it got to the point where it was un it was it was very uncomfortable when we played it because we're just thinking the entire time. Once he, once he hit about like when you hit the first three or four, we were laughing our heads off. We crucified him when he came to the rink this next morning. It was a joke for weeks at a time, and then all of a sudden, it got to five, six, seven. And it was like, oh, you know, it's kind of funny, but we started stop, you know, crucifying yeah. him over it because it was like he's he was down a lot of money. Like, I mean, yeah, by, and by the way, it's funny you stop crucifying him, but you still don't say, ah, let's just all pitch in. You yeah. still have to pay. <laughs> well, once we hit like eight, nine, 10, 11, it was like, is this a joke? What is going on here? You know, now it's to the point where, because it was the, we all know, we all have done this. How the credit card game goes is that you, you end your meal, you get your bill and that waiter or waitress grabs a, a bread basket and you put all of the cards in the bread basket. And then one player holds them up and that waitress or waiter is picking them out individually and the last card pays. So just so everybody understands, it was like, now we're, now we're at seven, eight, nine, you know, 10 in a row. And we're all watching and we're all like, there's like Turner, there's no way, there's no way you can lose nine in a row. There's no way. And it was unbelievable. How many people at dinner, how many cards in there? There was anywhere from probably the Definitely. low end at dinner would be four or five, but there was upwards of 12, 13 guys oh, at a dinner yeah. sometimes. <laughs> oh, you know how much the bill is. And it was just to the point where, I mean, man, you know, it got to the point where we didn't pay the bill, but we paid the tip, right? You know, the, you know, but oh man, he's going to tell that story. It is one of the, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. In my time playing a, in the National Hockey League is watching this. I had one credit card, one credit card game. The, the, the bill was like fifty five, six thousand bucks, and we had a couple of rookies. We had a couple of rookies that were at, at dinner, and we decided to play the credit card game. And one of the guys was wearing a hat at dinner, so we used his hat for the credit card, right? So when the boys gave the credit cards, I was holding the hat, and the two rookies put gave me their cards. Put I put the cards into the hat. But I held the bottom of the hat. I held the bottom of the hat where the rookie's card was. So when the late, when the wait, waitress or waiter went in to pull it, 
that she couldn't pull it out. So she grabbed another one. So I, I purposely made one of the rookies sweat, like almost to tears. Like he's just, he's, 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 you know, he's in his chair. He's all over the place. He's sweating. He's, he's, he's yelling at the guys next to him. Oh, I'm going to pay for this one. I can't even pay for it. My wife's going to divorce me. Jesus Christ. Why does it have to be me? Whatever the case may be. But I held it right to the end. Right. And there's two people left and I held it and let the other person let, let her take the other card. Yeah. And, the, and the rookie's like, ah, and like almost in tears. And I let him stew for a little bit. And then I, I finally went up, I went up to him and said, Hey, I rigged that whole thing. I held the card in there just to see you sweat. And I gave the credit card to the waitress yeah. and I, I paid the bill, but the, it was so worth watching the, the absolutely turning flush white and sweat coming down and the sort of the fidgeting and the complaining just one of the best games that we ever did on the road. You know, it's amazing when you, when you sit there and, and talk about these guys being called up from the minors back in the day, they're young kids. And I remember going to a rookie party with the Montreal Canadians. And, uh, I, you know, I had been up for a, a little bit, you know, like probably around 10, 15 games at that point. And they gave me, they gave me the opportunity to say, Hey, do you want to, do you want to put your card in for the, the, the rookie meal, or you can wait till next year sort of thing. And I was like, you know, listen, I I'll, I'll put my card in sort of thing, but, uh, to make a long story short, um, I didn't have enough money. I didn't have enough money in my account. Uh, I don't even think my credit card could take as much money as what they, you know, I was just like, you know, I, I remember getting credit cards and getting an account. I didn't, I didn't have, you know, my credit card level was not enough to be able to put the money on. So I had to, yeah. I had to go to the, one of the veterans. I think it was Brian Savage who paid my credit card bill. And I one had the greatest pay. guys in the world, by yeah. the way. One, listen, I mean, he's love, love, he, savvy. he completely took me under his wing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I'm not kidding you when I say it. he was from Sudbury, Ontario. I yeah. was North Bay, Ontario. He's an hour north of me. So we had that connection of being two northern boys, but he took me in and uh, really kind of like got me integrated with all the, That's all awesome. the big boys. And, uh, you know, we had a blast. I'm going to tell you this. I he's love one I guy love that Savvy. I am not going to have on the on the podcast. Yeah. He's one guy who's not going to on the podcast because I don't want him <laughs> telling like <laughs> stories, the deep dungeon stories of me barfing all over the place. Like it's unbelievable. This guy was Petey, an absolute Petey, let's rock get, star. Let's get savvy. Let's get savvy on. I'll call him. Let's get hundred percent. That's going to be a great show. We'll have a, we'll have a, like a little surprise drop. And even Turner Stevenson, like I told Turner Stevenson right. before Christmas, we talked just before Christmas and I said, Hey, we'll have you on in the new year and you know, early January. And I'm just like, the more and more I think about it, he's the guy that I don't want on. Brian Savage is the last person I would want on this podcast because the whole time is going to be story time. They had so many. The whole point of this fucking me. thing, Riv. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, analyzing holy. the Sabres five nothing loss last night. What, what, what are we? What are we doing here? Hey, hey, oh, listen, man. listen. I had hey, so many Riv. nicknames. It was off the chart. They Riv. like Riv. I was Riv. their little toy. I was their little Riv. guy. You know, the young guy, and I was just happy to be. I was the rookie that was allowed at the back of the plane. Like oh, yeah. I was that guy. 
I was just happy to be there. Lots of respect to the old guys. Listen, it's worth sleeping in the guest bedroom for one or two nights to to listen to those stories. (laughs) He just redid his basement, JR. He's got a nice little bedroom down in the basement. I I might knock him upstairs. That's fine. I got bourbon down here. Yeah, it's it. Last thing, I'll, last thing I'll say about this. I heard. I, I want to say the story started, but you with Dave Anderchuk is the is the person that I heard, um, and it's not a bad story. But maybe you guys have heard something like this too. But uh, it never even occurred to me until later on in my career, where someone's like, "Oh yeah, Dave Anderchuk had this had this theory where you say, okay, so." you know, where everyone's throwing in their money and you know how we were. If like, if you're at lunch or something or dinner and dinner's like a hundred bucks a guy, they'll throw like 130 or 140 bucks down. Just be like, whatever, here's, here's a little bit extra. Yeah. This saying where the longer you stay, the less you pay because guys would just, you know, if the bill was like 70 bucks, guys would just throw down a hundred. So if you had like six guys at dinner or lunch or whatever, and it's, it's 70 bucks a guy and you're, you're gaining 30 bucks extra per guy. You're paying, you know, the longer you stay, the less you pay because guys just want to get out of there. So they're just, they're just throwing cash on the table. They're like, fuck it. Here's an extra 20. Here's an extra 40 bucks or whatever. I had a, an extra glass of wine or whatever. And, and it was, uh, that was always a wily veteran move that I heard. Hey, JR, I got to tell you this story. I got to tell you this story because it it just pops into my mind because we're talking about your vehicles and your cars when you were younger and stuff like that and how stupid you are. Literally, there is some really stupid young guys that are making far too much money. But we had this guy in Montreal. I was an older guy um, and we had a young guy in Montreal. He was a rookie and he was making $600,000. And $600,000, when you think about it, it's a lot of money. It is an extreme amount of money. It is. Until you realize that you have to pay taxes. Now, here's the thing. In Montreal, Quebec, the tax rate is 54%. So this guy right away is making about $280,000, Okay. So this guy, this young guy at training camp, once he makes the team, this is, this is September, goes out and he buys himself a Porsche. Didn't say anything to him, each to their own. I don't know what he's, what, what one he was. Third, one third of his salary probably. Because what he doesn't understand is he's living in Montreal. That means snow's coming in October. Okay, snow is coming and we're not talking snow. We're talking blizzards. Okay, so now we're sitting here in November. This guy's still driving a Porsche. And um, I could hear him talking about um, how he has gone out and he bought a Jaguar four door sedan, big V12, whatever. So. I had asked him, I said, listen, I said, listen, how much did you pay for your Porsche? He goes, oh, I, I uh, got a great deal on it. I paid about $120,000 for it. I said, okay. How much did you pay for the Jaguar? He goes, I paid about $100,000, $120,000. I said, listen, I said, you just paid $240,000 on two cars 
one you can't drive, and one is not good in the snow. I said, you do realize you don't have a whole lot of a lot of money left to live on. I said, do you understand that? You have about forty, fifty thousand dollars, and I'm explaining it to him. He goes, no, 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 I make six hundred thousand. I said, you don't make six hundred thousand. You make two hundred and eighty thousand because of the taxes. He's like, what are you talking about? This is a kid from Czech Czechoslovakia. Oh, Czech, Czech Republic. Czech Republic. Oh, God. I said, I said, I don't want to use his name. I, I just said, listen, you're getting taxed on this. Do you understand what taxes are? And he's a young guy, like he's super young, and he's just kind of like, I don't, I don't understand. I said, you're not making six hundred thousand dollars. Half of that is going to the government, and the other half you have, and it is mind-boggling. I'm sitting here talking to this young guy. He's got two cars that he can't drive in the in the Montreal winters, and he has no money left. Well, I shouldn't say no money left, but he's got to pay for his apartment. He's got to pay for food and entertainment and everything else. And I'm just like. Wow. But you know what, though? He's not, he's not alone in a lot of athletes that just have no concept, no yeah. concept of what to do with money, no concept on how to put money away, how to invest it, how to protect for the future. They just think they got it made. And what I, I think maybe hockey might be a little bit different. You see in football, you see in boxing, you see in basketball. These people are squandering hundreds of millions. Not just you no know, millions, hundreds of millions. It's it's really really sad to tell you the truth. And we talked about the young kids today in the National Hockey League that are oblivious to the business side of the game. We we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the the National Hockey League, the Players Association. The players owe the the league over a billion dollars. They owe them of money's lost, you know, through the revenue. Because of the 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 the, um, the, the 50, bargaining 50 agreement, split, and it's yeah. only getting the worse. Jr. Look at Canada it's right now. Get, There's nobody in the stands. Right. So when 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 the smart people go to the players and say, "Hey, we're going to help you. This is what we're going to do, but we need you guys to okay it and sign off on it." And you know what they say? Uh, I don't know anything about it. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I, you know, I'm I'm good. Let 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 them take care of it. What? Yeah. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the next bargaining agreement that they have in two years, three years or whatever it is, it's going to be ruthless. It's going to be hell because there's no way they're paying back the billion when the when their escrow is going down right now. They're like 20% escrow right now. It's going to. Well, why is it 50. going down if they still owe all that money? Because that's the bargaining agreement that they rolled over from the last one. So they didn't well, they also the they also agreement. anticipated, you know, when yeah, they, they would do they it. Didn't, they anticipated, they, exactly. they didn't expect this thing to keep going. And I think last well, year, yeah, last year, Pete, year one, one they, but they they extended the bargaining agreement before the pandemic. And the way that the revenues were climbing in the National Hockey League, nobody thought that this that this would happen. Even the National Hockey League was like, okay, you don't have to pay us twenty; you can pay us fifteen in the last year. Well, 15% escrow in the last year of the bargaining agreement is not going to even touch the, the debt that they owe. And then what's going to happen when it's over a billion and a half dollars that the players are going to owe and there's no bargaining agreement at all? That, you know, those, we talked about those $8 million contracts 
Now we're like two after well, taxes and escrow. Well, the guys that are real, well, I mean, everyone's getting screwed. I mean, the guys at the end of their careers and we did this, are and getting I screwed, go over and the guys too. at the start of their career are getting screwed. They're walking into something but where the, it's like they didn't even. But the fucking players have to wake up and stop being so fucking naive, okay? It's hard stupid. to say that, though, JR. You're talking no, kids, man. These are that's kids. That's what I said. Because but that's what I mean. When you have people like me, you have people you have people that have been around the game. You have people, smart people, like business people that make hundreds of millions of dollars in their business because they do something very important, like raise revenue. When these people come and tell you that you're in trouble, you need help, we're just going to help you, and they say, ah, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. That's that's not smart. I want I want you because we we have talked about this on a podcast but it was months ago. And you had just said, you know, a player in the National Hockey League right now that makes 8 million dollars, like one of the highest paid players in the National Hockey League that makes 8 million dollars will only get 2. Yeah. I want you to describe to the listeners again what you mean by that? Because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to sit there and listen to this and go, well, there, he's not making $2 million. He's making well, I think you were talking about Brady Kachuk, weren't you? And Yes, yes, he was. And, yeah, and we I think the yeah. math you were doing was 20% escrow on $8 million is, what, is well, what, 160 It's $1.6 million. And then yeah, you're so taxed 50% on that. Well, if you're in Canada, like we just heard Riv say, 56% in Quebec, right? I'm sure it's it's close to 50 in, in Ontario. I don't know what it is in Saskatchewan, New Brunswick. I don't know what the It might be 52 to 54 so in Ontario, but, I think. But it's like definitely that. but it's definitely up around 50% because of their socialistic ways up there and all the all the free stuff that they give with the with insurance and healthcare. Yep. Um but you take you, you live in California? In just California, take Brady Kachuk. He's just okay, he's a young take, kid. He just signed take, for a shit bomb yeah. of money, he's making eight million dollars a year. Describe to us yeah. with with the money that is owed back to the owners, this one billion dollars by all the players and all it describe yeah. to the people that are listening an eight million dollar player, this is what's gonna happen yeah. to his salary. So describe okay, so so I so I the most money I made in the year was nine million. Okay, so just I'm gonna go by <laughs> what my, my yep. But what, what what my con what my salaries were my my paychecks which were awesome I, like the fifteenth and the thirtieth were the best days of all time don't get me wrong trust me what was but, a paycheck Jerry what just hold on what was one paycheck six six seven hundred thousand it was like four hundred fifty thousand every two weeks <sighs> okay right carry, it's carry like, on. you know carry something on. something like that two hundred fifty three hundred thousand every or a month so when you're when you're looking at that the first thing that they do right. So the National Hockey League's got to take out what the escrow is off the top. So right now it's twenty percent. So 20%. if you're making, so if you're if if my if my if my um let's say Brady Kachuk he's probably going to get let's say two hundred fifty thousand every two weeks. So you take off twenty percent of that. That's fifty grand, right there. Fifty grand gone. That has to go into the 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 the, the escrow account for the league. Okay. Now, if so right if, away, if people, eight million dollar guy, you're 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 looking at about uh, one hundred and sixty thousand or one hundred and uh, 
$1.6 million that's gone. Well, there's, there's six, seven months of being paid. You get two paychecks a month. So that's 14 paychecks. That's 14 times 50, right? I mean, that's a lot of money. So that's, that's just escrow. Then if you're paying 50% to the feds, you take, now you take the 250, now you're down to 200. Now you take the 50% that has to go to the feds. Now you're at 100,000. And you still haven't paid FICA, which is your social security in the States. You have the FICA that that's always comes out. That's a few thousand. I mean, you're, you're literally at $250,000 check at an $8 million player. You're probably bringing in 90, 95,000, which is still great every two weeks, but that's shit. That's 70, that's 25%, 28% of your con of your salary. So, and, and if people don't understand what the, what the, what the, um, the bargaining agreement is with escrow, the, the league has a deal that revenue has to be to a certain level every year. And they come to an agreement of what all the team's revenue combined, what it has to get to in order to make sure that everybody gets some sort of money, that they, they don't get killed, that the players are responsible for the revenue as well as the league is responsible for the revenue. So in order to do that, the players are out of their paychecks. The National Hockey League takes 20% of that contract and puts it into an escrow account. And it that will go there. back to the owners because you that, need to have a 50-50 yeah, split. Correct, correct, correct. So let's say the revenue for the year was $4 billion, okay? If the league goes over the $4 billion, then the players will get a check written back to them at the end of the year of the escrow money that they paid because the revenue hit so the players are not responsible for it. Yeah. If the if the if the revenue of the league drops to whatever 3 billion, then the players then they go into that escrow account and they take the money to to bridge that gap from the players and whatever left then they redistribute it back. Right now there's not going to be much to distribute back to the players when you're owing over a billion dollars to the league. So again, the players are going to have problems if they don't find somebody to help them and the league bring the revenue back to where it was pre pandemic. And with all the shit that's happening up in Canada with no fans um, in New York, in California, in Chicago, where you can't go into the building without a vaccine. Uh, those, those stadiums are at, at probably what, 65% capacity? Listen, Canada is killing things right now because those seven teams, so there's 32 in the National Hockey League, but those seven teams in Canada gross an outrageous amount of money. If I had to guess, I would say probably close to 40, 50% of the leagues. Look at Toronto. Revenue. Yeah. Yeah, Toronto, Toronto, Montreal, Montreal, Vancouver. Calgary, Calgary, Edmonton. those are massive Van- markets. Vancouver, man. these yeah, are massive markets. markets, and that yep. money that they're losing because of those seven teams is crippling the National crippling. Hockey League. 
Yep. It is crippling the National Hockey League. So the, it's yep. not like you need to, uh, a huge company, JR, to come in and try and find ways to, you know, maximize the, you know, the revenues. It's until Canada gets back to where the, you know, a, a, a normal a normal life where, you know, people can go and watch games and, and you know, revenue starts to flourish back in Canada again. The, the, yeah, but the you got to is yeah, I'm in just, dire I'm, I'm straits a, right now. It is going to be in dire straits, but the, but you have to do something to at least ease the the ease the 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 total burden the, the, the total burden, right? And yes, there are ways that these companies will go in and use technology and use the the world span of their relationships to get other countries involved in the sport. Get countries like India involved in the sport. Bring NHL to India. Bring NHL to other countries that might not have been introduced to it. See, the National Hockey League, unfortunately, uses three three four sources of revenue, right? It's ticket sales, it's merchandise, and television, okay? After that, it's a hit or miss. It's a, it's a one-off here, it's a one-off there, it's a one-off here. You have to be able to use technology and people that are smart with technology that build revenue streams for a living to help out, to bring it all together. Because why not? What, what's there to lose at, right, right now? Because yeah. they're going to get crushed if they don't, if they don't use technology and use the professionals that know how to, to span their, their, their their business sense span their relationships and span their knowledge on technology on how to create more revenue through the players right not just the nhl but through the players individually and the players have to be all in on you know signing a a stick that they just use for the game because there was a big auction during the game of of a thousand people that were bidding on on the game winning stick or you know, Alex Ovechkin skates that he that he wears, and and you can take a picture of them. Rumor has it Jack Eichel it. gets forty pairs of skates a year. He can always auction those off after he's done with them. They're practically I heard, brand new. I heard Mark that is Messier, not true. I heard, I heard Mark Messier used two pairs of skates per game. I don't know if that's true. I should ask him. But two pairs. Jack Eichel a wore a pair of skates every game. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say every other game? You were uh, grossly wrong with his 40 <laughs> pairs of skates. Jack Eichel wore a pair of skates for every game, a new pair of skates. That's, that's insane. You know, I retired. Probably 60% reason was because I didn't want to break in a new pair of skates. I hated. I wore one pair of skates all year. And the beginning of training camp was like one of the worst time for me because I knew I had to break in new skates. And I hated it so much that, Literally at 39, I was questioning whether I wanted to play again. 60% of my reason I, that, I re, that I retired was because I didn't want to break in new skates. Oh, my I God. How many that. times did you change your steel? Uh, probably three or four, three or four yeah. times a year. I was the exact same. You know, we, and then I, I sewed, then, then I sewed them up. Remember that they would sew, sew the sides. They would stitch. Same thing, man. I had skates. eyelids popping out. It got to the point where I was taking clear tape and like pulling it under under the boot and wrapping it around. And then I do more and more because I didn't want to change skates. And I had these brand new skates. I lapped 
my new skate orders. I mean, I went and I mean, I, I know I didn't play a ton of games, but when you're when you're getting bag skated every day, you're breaking those bad boys down. My oh, yeah. skates were felt like fucking sneakers. <laughs> like the, yeah. I was like, I needed them to be like almost like wearing shoes because these uh, boots. I, you know what? These ankle sprains too that we see these guys getting and all that. I think a lot of these have to do with how stiff these skates are oh, these days. It's, I don't know how they play. I don't, I don't know, know how, how they, they play. play in these skates. How they skate in these things? These things are so stiff that oh my god i put my wouldn't you in- want to try them though like i'm skating around and i i i coached uh no. you know a, 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 a 13 u a 13u team and all these kids have these thousand dollar pairs of skates they're plastic they're plastic boots they're 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 light as all heck i mean i would love to try one of those pairs of skates um because I have the old school Bowers. Like, I mean, um, I never changed into that new technology. I loved my, my old school, uh, old school skate, but I would love to try and, and just see what it feels like to be able to yeah. skate in one of those, but I'm not well, paying a thousand twelve hundred dollars for a pair of skates. Like it's never going to happen. So when I do my camps, right. I, and, and, my, I put my feet, I put my feet in my skates and I just cringe knowing that I got to tie them up and how, how it's, my feet are going to feel six hours on the ice with the kids. But I found, I, I found a pair of skates that feel like slippers. It's the, the true, um, the true, the, the, the true skate, the true, um, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. True's new skate is like one of the most comfortable things that, that I've ever put on my skates. I, I don't mind going on the ice now because my feet don't hurt. Um, I remember going on when I worked for that other other network, and I had to um, I had to go on and do demos with uh, with Anson Carter and yeah. and Brian Boucher and all that stuff. And I, I what I would do is I would borrow skates from the home team, right? So the trainer would bring skates because I wouldn't bring my own because we're obviously traveling on the road. So they would bring me like um, one time I'm in Chicago for the finals, and they bring me Marion Hose's skates, right? I put Marion Hosa's skates on, but I, but I almost, almost threw up. I almost threw up of how uncomfortable these skates were. The pain in my, in my arch, the pain in the side of my, of my foot. Oh, oh I, hate I swear to God, on. it was the longest 30 <laughs> minutes of, oh, of, 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 of a promo. I don't know how they do it, man. I, I have in my it. garage still from my last year in Jersey. I have a brand new pair. They're they're still in the bags, and the laces are still kind of tied together. <laughs> you know, the factory laces are the Easton Synergy skates. The oh yeah, gray and orange ones. Yeah. I remember I was playing in Sweden during the lockout, and my CCMs finally buckled, and I had all I had were these brand new Easton Synergy skates, and I had to put them on mid game. And I'm going to tell you something. When I put these things on, I'd never worn them before. When I put them on, I had I thought I I came to the realization I had never put on a pair of skates fresh out of the box and used them that actually didn't hurt, didn't feel so like I, they were unbelievable. I don't even know if they make them anymore, but that's what that's what I used. That's what I used for did you like 20 oh, years? They were they were um they used yeah. Eastern skates, but yeah, but they were oh. heavy. They were heavy, but they were heavy because they were unbelievably insulated and padded inside so yeah. it was like you're talking slipper. about the gray orange and black ones yeah, yeah, yeah those yeah. were the best mm-hmm. sk- best skates i've ever worn 
I don't in have, my entire life. I don't have a lot of regrets, but I'll tell you this. I do regret, and I never wore them once in the game. I do regret not keeping the Nike skates. Do you remember oh, Nike I came sto- into I the got, NHL? I got a story. I got a story for you. That's a great lead-in because I was just going to tell the story. So I was one of the first guys signed by Nike back in the early 90s, okay, when Nike came in to do skates and do yeah. hockey equipment. So they made a first pair of skates. They paid me a hundred grand to wear their skates. I put them on. They fucking were awful. They hurt my foot so bad. I, I, I skated in one game in them, one game. And I remember having to take They looked my unbelievable, right though. They looked amazing because you know who else had them was Fedorov. Fedorov made them look good. But I went, but I, I wore them and I had to take my, my right skate off after a shift because it, the pain was so bad. I played one game in this Nike skates. I called my agent. I said, write a check, write a check, send it back to Nike. No way I'm wearing these things. I go right no back way. to my Easton's. Yeah. No one, way. One game. Yeah. It was awful. Well, here, here's a transition, and, and well, we know you're heading golfing, but there's one, there's one major conversation right now to be had in the NHL, uh, and it's something I never thought I'd ever see. I remember flipping through a book when I was a kid, and there was a picture of a guy in a Hartford Whalers uniform, and uh, it said Iron Man, and it was Doug Jarvis. And I know we didn't start in Hartford, but – and he played 964 consecutive games. And I didn't quite, I was so young, I didn't understand it because it said someone was quoted in there saying, I can't believe he never got a cold. And I was like, cold? Like, uh, do you not play if you have a cold type thing? I didn't, I didn't understand. I was, I was young and naive. Last night, Keith Yandel played his 965th consecutive NHL game. Now, Phil Kessel's not far behind him, but... I mean, you get a guy playing three, four, five hundred games in a row. That's incredible. You get a guy playing nine hundred and sixty-five, and I think that's incredible. I don't know. I don't know what your take is on it. I, I yeah. Doug Jarvis's was way harder. Played in a much harder era, and not only did he do that, but he started out with four straight Stanley Cup Finals, and he played in the playoffs every single year he was in the league. Yeah. And Keith Yandel has not done that. But you can't take this away from him. It's it's an incredible feat. It, it's I think, and you guys know how hard it is day in and day out to stay healthy, and how easy it is to get hurt in this game, and how hard it is to play with certain injuries, let alone big injuries, when you're playing the game. Um, to do that, I mean, Steve Larmer would have done that if his if he didn't have a contract dispute back with the Hawks back in 93, 94, uh, he would have done it. He had his Ironman streak. I watched these guys and it's, I have two takes on it. Okay. And, and one's good. One people are going to agree with and probably respect. And the other one, they're probably going to say, you're just a dick JR. But the, to be able to play that amount of games, a you're taking care of yourself. You, you have a very high pain threshold. You can play through a lot of games where you don't want to play. You're tough. You're, you're durable in terms of playing through things, right? Um, having that, with that, that ability to, uh, you know, to continue to play games when 
you're like, I, I got to just take a break or you're hurt or whatever. But on the flip side, okay, and this is where you, you're probably say, what a jerk off you are, JR, but I don't care. Everybody calls me a jerk off. You got to be a really um, unphysical, very, uh, I ain't going in there. I want to say the P word. You're not blocking not, shots. I'm not, not yeah. standing I'm in not front of the there. I'm not going there. I'm not fighting. I'm not going to make that physical hit. Or if I hit it, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ride them off. Oh, I'm going into the corner first. Yeah. Go ahead. You go get it. I'll come chase you after. <laughs> and this is this is the kind. So again, it's like you play 1,600 games in the league. That's a lot of games. But the way I played, the way that you played, the way that you played. We're not playing 1,500 games in the course of a career because we are beating the fuck out of ourselves while we're treat, trying to beat the shit out of somebody else because we were diggers and we're grinders and we're physical. These guys are not. And regardless if that's their style of game, all the power to them, you know, they, it's a mentality, right? Yeah. So. Congratulations I, I, I to will, Keith Yandel. I, I love Keith Yandel. Yep. I, I, I do. I played with Keith. I love him. He's a great guy. Another Boston guy, uh, which I love too. It's an amazing accomplishment. Um, but I don't know. Do, is it? I yeah, think it is. <laughs> it really is. I really, I, I do I, think it is. Not everybody's the same, JR. Not everybody played the I game agree. the same. I agree. You I know, agree. I, I just, I think it's truly incredible, you know. It is. It's truly incredible. To do incredible. what these guys, 965 games is mind-boggling. In a row. In, In a, a row. row. To play, for Patrick Barlow to play that many games in a career, bro. Now, he could have played a lot more physical. He could have got a lot more meaner. He could have got a lot more energized. But he didn't shy away. Patrick Marlowe, who pay, played an ungodly amount of hockey games, did not shy away. 50-50. All right. 50, I'll, 50. I'll give you 50-50 on it. 50, but I'll 50. tell you right now, you I had, played with guys you, that you were... Had to drop an, you had to drop an A-bomb for Patrick Marlowe to get pissed. Right, you had to drop it. You had to drop a, a big, and I don't mean like an A bomb. I mean like a bomb for him to get pissed. I but think to play the to play at the level that he played in for that many games, yeah, to me is incredible, incredible. Because you know, guys were going after him, right? So, well, for me, the, the most impressive. For me, the most impressive, you know, when you talk about games played and stuff, and I'm not saying this because you guys are on the line and play with them, but Joe Thornton, I mean, he rarely, rarely missed a game. I mean, rarely. Like, 55 his first year, 81, 81, 72, 66, 77, 77, 23 in 05. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. He got traded. So he played 81 in 05, 06, 82, 82, 82, 79, 80, 82, 48 in the shortened season, 82, 78, 82, 79. Yeah, he, was, uh, 
Like that, that Joe, takes you up to 16, 17 before he had see, that Joe, knee injury. But see, this is this is what Joe. This is how I would. And he played hard. Joe. Well, Joe would fight you. Joe would fight you. Joe would slash you. Joe would do all this stuff. But Joe's not going to run around and be physical. Like he's a big dude, and he'll 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 use his body. But he's not going to go out and look to hit somebody. He got hit. Where Joe was and is, is one of the complete um, gamers in terms of his attitude, his ferocity, in terms of if you got near him, he's going to fight you. He will fight you. He will slash you. He will punch you in the face. He will call you all different names. The energy and the adrenaline will come out of Joe Thornton. He is the guy that you want to go to battle with. I love playing with Joe Thornton. Like but I he, thought he was but he a conserved stud. himself. He conserved himself, right? He wasn't the fastest guy. He played by making a lot of passes, you know, yep. a lot like, you know, a lot like Mario did and, and the way that he was able to play the game to his level, which is why he was able to play for so many games. And by the way, that mother, that bugger played through a lot of injuries, man. Riv, you and I saw him play through games. We don't yep. even never thought he'd be able to play through. And he yeah. went out there and brought the game to his level. One of the best playmakers that I have ever seen. You know, you know, but you know he the, was he was mean, man. Yeah. He was mean. Yeah. yeah, I was. I told Petey about, uh, and you might have been. You were definitely on the team there, Jr. But I remember. Did you remember when Jumbo and I got into a, a verbal altercation in the dressing room because he was absolutely crucifying. In the worst way, he was crucifying uh, Christian Erhoff, who Erhoff, at the Erhoff. time was like a, he was like a, I think he was a, he wasn't a rookie. He was a second year player. So yep. he was like mm-hmm. 20 years old. And yeah, I, I just, I remember that. No, what I, happened? Yeah. JR, from your, from your perspective, no. what happened? Then we'll, 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 we'll wrap up with you here. Cause we know you got to well, hit the Well, Christian, Christian wasn't the, again, he, he was a very talented guy, but he wasn't. He, he had the tools, but he was missing the toolbox. We had him here in Buffalo. We know we bought him yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. So the kid can skate like <laughs> the wind. Ten-year deal for yeah. forty fucking million. Yeah. <laughs> the kid can skate like the wind. He can shoot. He can do. He, I had all the intangibles, but sometimes when you when you talk to him, he's just like this. Christian. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. So again. Christian making bad plays, not being involved, be making, you know, kind of being brain dead at certain things. And Jumbo, Jumbo went after him one game. I and and you know, to Riv's to Riv's credit, said, you know, got they got into it. But Jumbo cannot stand when you're not into the game mentally and you make a stupid fucking play and you come back and you do it again. And you do it again, and you just don't realize that you you learn from your first mistake. And Jumbo had no problem ripping on somebody if they weren't in the game. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know what exactly happened. What happened between Rivs and Joe? Well, it just—I mean, Rivs says enough. Listen, like, like and I know Joe would be the guy who's going to do it, but Rivs is also the guy who likes to bring peace and bring kind of be that hey. We don't need this right now. Jumbo, let, let's slow it out. We got a fucking game to win. We got this. We got that. Ribs was always the kind of guy, he he didn't want to yell and scream at somebody. He wanted to bring it down and talk. Right, Ribs? 
you're the kind of the peacekeeper always. It's like, listen, we don't have to get this crazy. Let's, but guys like me, guys like Jumbo, we'll fly off at the handle, but we need people that have actual yeah. intelligence. My, my biggest, my biggest thing is like, listen, I mean, it, it's like, it's like a football team. Okay. You have the offense and you have the defense mm-hmm. and they are two teams on the same team. It's just like in hockey. You have your offense and you have your defense. And then you have your goaltenders that are usually guys that are in out of space to begin with. And, and for me, jumbo in the game was, listen, I mean, Christian era, we all make mistakes. Okay. But in that particular game, it was getting extreme and it started to affect me because my blood starts to boil and I start to get angry because I don't like guys taking advantage of, of young guys. So I was like, Kristen, tell him to shut the fuck up. You know, like, yeah, but he's like, that's fucking Joe Thornton. I'm like, I don't give a shit who it is, man. This guy's abusing you. This is not good. So mm-hmm. at the end, like in between the period, Joe started going at Christian again. It, it went on the entire game. And that's where I just lost my shit. That's where I was like, you know what, Joe, you need to shut the fuck up. And then it was like, then it was like, you know, two Rams going at each other in the dressing room. And, you know, what are you going to do? Like, no one's going to basically jump in like between us, you know? So it was just kind of, it went on for a while, but then all of a sudden you calm down, you get out there and you know what on that team, Jr. We, we probably they, came they, back and won the damn it. game because we yep. won a lot of games, man. A lot that of games. Was like, and, and by the way, we were always together. You, me, Jumbo, Habs. We're always together. Every road trip. All of us. Every yep. dinner. Every dinner. So it didn't matter. You guys had that battle after the game. You know, Jumbo. Good game, Love. Good game. Good Absolutely game, love. And l- listen, game, I mean, when you talk about keeping each other accountable, it has to happen. It has to happen. It's going to fire guys up. You're not going to be happy. You're going to be actually very angry, but you hope you take that into the game and, and that takes your game to another level. And we kept each other accountable. We had Ron Wilson. He was one of the best uh, coaches in the National Hockey League. I'm going to tell you right now, he didn't have to say a word with that group. We had a great older veteran we have Jeremy Roenick and we had, you know, Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe and, and, and Mike Greer, uh, Kyle McLaren, you know, myself, we had a really, really good group of older, but we also had these young guys that young were guys. just hungry and it was an unbelievable environment. When we, we, practiced, had, Joe, we had Joe, Pavel- we had Joe Pavelski that every single one of us knew was going to be a captain. No question. No question. Right. Young, young Pavelski. Yep. Awesome. A hungry set of Gucci. Yep. Right. Hungry. Yeah. Tory it was, Mitchell. it was a great, yeah. it was a great makeup. Like when we're talking about going on the road, Petey, you got 23 guys in the team. JR. Yep. 18, 18. guys showed up to every single dinner. Guys Everyone. were at them. We had guys that were at the mall. We had guys that were at different things. And one massive text went out. We're going here for dinner. Who's in? And it would just be like, reply, reply, reply. And we've had 18 guys every single trip. I had never seen anything like it. Nope. Nope. Craig came to Buffalo and he's like, what is going on here? We got four guys here, five guys there, six guys there, three guys there, two guys there. 
I didn't say I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. A lot of the reason that we were like that was because of Joe Thornton. I, I, I mean, I'll tell you because he, he just, he just, he sent out a vibe. You know, he sent that, you know, ribs too on the defensive end, you know, being that, that captain of the defensive end, Joe, the captain, Patrick Marlowe again, too, uh, was that again, Joe Thornton, when everybody wanted to be around him and he wanted everybody to be together, we had 18 guys that were there because Joe Thornton made, like brought us all together. Well, have I, a good, I believe. have a good, oh my God, guys, I completely forgot to hit record on this. No, you didn't. You oh, I thought I was. I, th- I thought I'd get Riv on that one. Jr. Thanks for the time, man. It was awesome as usual. But even in my car, I had a lot of black. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Enjoy yeah, your day. Yeah. That very expensive car. That medium expensive car. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter After the Whistle. And at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.